Good morning. Thank you all for the love uh, that you've showed each one of us. We do certainly appreciate it. Appreciate all the love you guys have shown. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our youngest of kids, the uh, <laughs> Eva Maverick. He wanted to say hi to his dad. Hi, Maverick. And then our older ones will stay in here. And have to listen to me. Macy, this sermon's for you. All right, well, this morning uh, we are uh, in the middle of this sermon series that's entitled Airplane Mode. And the whole idea behind the sermon series is that we uh, can learn to, to maybe put our phones to the side, uh, maybe put our distractions to the side, and, and learn more about how to pray uh, to our God. And uh, so today, uh, we're going to take a, a look at a uh, popular uh, parable in Luke chapter 18. Uh, let's read this uh, parable together, starting in verse 9, to which Jesus says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable, there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, we're told, stood at a distance. He could not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, I'm just so grateful to be gathered with, uh, with my friends and my family as we lift up your holy and perfect name. We gather around your table we celebrate with song. And right now, we, we just pray that this time of celebration and worship through your word uh, might pierce our hearts, that, you, that our eyes and our ears will be open to your truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Pharisees were a very strict group of Jews who followed the Old Testament law and the interpretations of that law by rabbis. Pharisee literally means the one who is separated. And the Pharisees certainly separated themselves from the rest. They separated themselves from the Gentiles of the land including doing ritual uh, purity, cleansing when they came in contact with a non-Jew. 
And they also separated themselves from Jews who were not following Old Testament or oral law to the letter. They were seen as elitists and also experts in all things law. This parable is absolutely on point because the Pharisee is contrasted with the tax collector. Tax collectors could be Jewish or Gentile, but they were known for extortion and, in the case of the Jews, turning their back on their own people. Therefore, the Pharisees who began this prayer already hated and despised his counterpart, the tax collector. This morning, I want to share with you some lessons that we can learn from this parable. And my hope is that we can all be humbled by these lessons and better prepared when we pray. So let's start with lesson number one. No one is righteous on his own. The passage begins with an explanation as to why Jesus was giving this parable. He makes it as clear as day. Luke wants us to understand that Jesus had something in the back of his mind when he told this parable. There were people listening to Jesus' sermon who were confident in their own righteousness. The Pharisee in the story was certainly confident because he was, he was morally and ethically right. He didn't rob. He, did, he was faithful to his wife. He fasted. He gave back to God a tenth of everything he received. He followed the oral and written law to the letter. And we you and I, have the advantage to see what he lacked, right? We step back, we see this, and we see, well, that man was incredibly prideful. He lacked humility. He lacked love for his fellow man. But the people of that day would have been impressed with his prayer. They would have been impressed with how hard he worked towards his own salvation. Paramedics arrived on the scene of an accident, and there was a 50-year-old man who refused to get treatment. He refused a ride to the hospital. They checked him over the best they could. They didn't see any serious wounds, and therefore they allowed him to return home. The paramedic urged him to get checked out, but he refused, and so they wrote it up as a minor property damage accident. However, at 1 p.m. that same day, the man died while taking a nap. Autopsy results showed that the man died of a functional disorder of the brain, which was caused by a serious blow to the head, directly linked to the accident. Why didn't the man get help? Because he didn't see what was happening inside. And you ask the question, I'm sure, why doesn't this Pharisee ask for help? 
And the reality is the Pharisee didn't see what was happening on the inside. And Jesus knew this. In fact, later he tells another parable that is just as famous in Luke chapter 18, 18 to 26, just a couple verses later. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And the man said, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And so Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell your possessions, give everything you have to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And when the man heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It, indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then they asked, who can be saved? Who then can be saved? You see, in their day, it was seen when that you had wealth, it was seen as that you were given that wealth because you were righteous before God. And the wealthy had the time, the discipline, and the money to do everything that was according to the law. They were able to travel to Jerusalem for all the festivals. They could take off work for that. But the poor struggled to keep the law. And so Jesus says that it is harder for the rich man, and the poor man says, isn't it harder for me? Because we're dealing with what's happening on the inside. You see, the answer is that no one can be saved on their own. Because no one's righteous. We're only saved because of the sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And it's actually easier for the poor to ask for help. Let's humble ourselves when we remember who made us righteous. The second lesson that we are given is to not look down on others, right? He gives two explanations. He said, to those who are confident in their own righteousness. But he also says, to those who were looking down on others. It was C.S. Lewis who once said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above. The Pharisee actually lists group of people who were inferior to him. He actually makes a list of people groups that were worse than him. He says, uh, what's he say? He says, the robbers, those who break into people's homes and steal their goods. Hey, Eli, you want to try to keep that phone up there on the, the counter okay? 
That's what happens when you're the preacher's son. You get called out. You break into someone's house. You steal their goods. I'm better than that. You cheat on someone's spouse. I'm better than that. You, uh, you're an evil doer. You do evil all the time. Well, I'm better than that. But is that really fair? If you put any of us up to Jeffrey Dahmer, who's better? <laughs> we all look like Mother Teresa, amen? There once was a really lost and wicked man. He was rebellious in everything he did. And, but he thought it would probably be good for my business if I went to the church and joined it. And so, although he was an adulterer, an alcoholic, he'd never been a member of a church in his whole life, he went down and placed his membership. He gave public testimony to the church that there was no sin in his life and that he grew up in the church and he readily accepted him as their new member of their church. He went home and told his wife what he had done. And his wife, who was a godly woman, exploded. She condemned him for being a hypocrite, demanded that he goes back to that church and tell them what kind of person he really was. Her husband was kind of, he was convicted. So he said, I'm, I'm going to do it. He took it to heart. The next Sunday, he went back to church, went down to the front again, this time confessed to the church that he was an adulterer, that he was an alcoholic, he was a sinful man. And they revoked his membership right there on the spot. And he walked out of church that day, muttering to himself, these church folk are really strange. I told a lie, and they accepted me in. I told the truth and they kicked me out. And the reality is we live in a society that's kind of like a keeping up with the Joneses, right? We want to look a certain way. We want to act a certain way. We want people to know that we are without mistakes because we don't want to get in trouble. So we put on our happy face we cover up our sins. Why? I don't want to be looked down on. I don't want you to look at me and think that I'm an a evildoer, that I'm a sinful person. But what does Jesus say we're supposed to do? He said we're not supposed to be looking down on one another. In fact, Paul preaches in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, we're to encourage one another. We're to build one another up, just in fact, as you were doing. All right, so those are two lessons for you. Here's the, the last lesson, that we are to approach God with a humble heart. We are to approach God with a humble heart. Jesus declares at the end of this parable that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And if you really want to be exalted, if you really want to be forgiven, if you really want to be answered, then we have to humble ourselves before God. In fact, James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but gives favor, gives grace to the humble. 
heard a story about a young man who was trying to impress this girl down the street. And so uh, his parents got him a new bike, and he washed that bike up, made it real shiny. And he thought, I'm going to go drive down our driveway, and I'm going to ride my bike over to her house, and I'm going to jump her curb. And she is going to be so impressed. He was going to show her his skills. So he came down her street just to see if she was outside. And sure enough, she was outside. So he picked up as much speed as he could, barreled down the street at top speed with his sweet bike. He attempted to jump her driveway. It landed on his back. I don't think that girl saw him as cool or good looking. And I often think about the ways that we try to impress God with our awesome skills, right? And God shows that he's not impressed with your piety. He's not impressed with how many times you fast. He's not impressed by your prayer length. He's not impressed by the amount of money that you give to the poor. God is not impressed by your knowledge of Scripture. He's not impressed with your ability to sing. He's not impressed with your ability to teach. He's not impressed by your church attendance. And he's not impressed by the amount of money you gave to church this year. When we try to impress God, we end up on our backs, broken and embarrassed. God wants you in humility, asking for what you can't receive on your own. Do you have faith that the sacrifice of God is enough? As we gather around the table, I invite you to go to one of these stations and take a communion cup. On the bottom is the bread, on the top is the juice, and we're going to hold these emblems as I share with you a, a song. Would you reflect on the sacrifices today? Let's pray. Father God, I'm grateful for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that as we participate today in communion, that this can be a time that we all reflect on the humility that you've called us to, to live out. I pray, Father, that we will uh, not only accept this wonderful gift, but that we, will, that we will share it with each other and that we will celebrate your love. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.